vocalists and all in leading us in worship this day. Last month, July, we began a series of Lord's Supper messages titled The Sevenfold Ministry of the Holy Spirit. And it was taken from, and this series is taken from Isaiah 11.2, and we looked um, briefly uh, at that and how the Holy Spirit is described as the Spirit of the Lord, the Spirit of wisdom, the Spirit of understanding, the Spirit of counsel, of power, of knowledge, and of the fear of the Lord. However, this self-description um, isn't of the Holy Spirit. It's a description of the presence and power of the Spirit in the earthly ministry and kingdom age of the Lord Jesus in the context of this passage. And so today, we're going to consider the focus of the Spirit's ministry. Isaiah chapter 11 and verse 1 is where we will be. But the fact that Jesus is the focus of the Spirit's ministry is precisely what he taught when he was here on earth. In John 15 and verse 26, it says, But the Spirit, uh, but when the Comforter is come, whom the Father will send um, unto you, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me. And so the work of the Spirit of God is to draw attention to Christ and the work of Christ, of course, through the lives of believers uh, in whom he dwells. And in John 16, verses 13 to 15, it says, Howbeit, when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak. And he will show you things to come. He shall glorify me. For he shall receive of mine and shall show it unto you. All things that the Father hath are mine. Therefore said I that he shall take of mine and shall show it unto you. So the Spirit of God is to glorify Christ in and through the lives of believers according to the word which he, in fact, inspires and he gives to us. Well, how does he do that? Well, 1 Corinthians 2.12 makes it clear when it says that we have received, um, we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. So the spirit of God uh, inspires the writing of Scripture, and at this time it would be the writing of the New Testament, uh, so that we might better know who Christ is and what He has done, and being spirit. Um, indwelt believers, we will go and glorify him in this world. Did you follow that? That is the ministry of the focus of the Spirit's ministry is in glorifying Christ. And so um, the book of Isaiah, having prophesied Messiah in chapter 7 and chapter 9, now presents Messiah in chapter 11. If you would look at Isaiah 11 and verse 1, just this single verse for today, and there shall come forth a rod. Uh, What tense is that? Past tense, present tense, future tense? Future tense. 
there shall come forth. He hasn't, he hasn't arrived yet, but he will. A rod out of the stem of Jesse and a branch shall grow out of his roots. And then it goes on to describe this one who shall come. This one who shall come from Jesse and who will have, in verse 2, the Spirit of the Lord resting upon him, uh, ministering through him. And then the rest of, of the next few verses, certainly down through verse 10, what he will be doing. And we'll look at uh, this in the coming months as we continue this series of the sevenfold ministry of the Holy Spirit. But Two primary points if you're taking notes. First of all, the context. I want us to consider the context of this uh, because it is just one verse seemingly uh, plucked out of the, uh, out of the middle of, of, this, of the Bible uh, so that we can better understand it. The prophet had just said that the uh, army of Assyria was going to be cut down like the trees of a forest. In fact, in chapter 10 and verse 34, it alludes to that. And it is alluding to and a reference to the cedar trees of Lebanon. Now, the cedars of Lebanon uh, are, are well known in Scripture. It's indicated many times. Uh, and the prophecy was that Assyria would be cut down uh, just like you cut down a forest of trees if you want to uh, do some logging. Well, that was in fact literally fulfilled. Not that the empire had uh, been overthrown in 701 BC, but that the army uh, had been decimated. And folks, the Bible mentions, and I, I, I want you to follow this, the Bible mentions cedars, the cedar trees of Lebanon, a number of times. Um, these t- trees are described in Isaiah chapter 9 as strong and durable. Um, in Psalm chapter 80, they're described as, as beautiful, beautiful um, and, and even majestic. And in Song of Songs chapter 4, described as fragrant uh, in, in referencing uh, uh, the, the, the husband and wife, um, that marriage, using that as an illustration. In my study, and I've done a fair amount of studying uh, about cedar trees, um, believe it or not, because it's, they're so prominent in the Word of God. In the United States, a typical cedar tree is uh, fairly fast-growing and can live up to 300 years. You can find cedar trees in the United States which are 300 years old, but that pales into insignificance compared to the cedars of Lebanon, uh, truly a, a unique species in that they are very slow growing, just the opposite, certainly because of climate, because of soil conditions and other kinds of things, but they're very slow growing uh, and they can live, in fact, they, they will live if they're not cut down and they don't get diseased, uh, they're going to live a millennia. In fact, there's even one uh, or more in the world right now that you can go to which are 3,000 or so years old. You can see on the overhead uh, this particular tree and this man right, uh, right there. Uh, this tree is multiple times. If, uh, if, you, if you put uh, shoulder to shoulder uh, this guy with people of the same uh, size, you would have dozens of people who would be around and through uh, the center of that. That's the size. That's the girth of this particular tree. This tree, folks, now get a load of this. This is uh, one of the cedars of Lebanon, and there are a number of them that are this size. Now, of course, not, not most of them. Most of them are not that size, but they, uh, th- this tree was absolutely a good-sized tree, maybe even like this, at the time of Jesus. Now, that is scientifically easily known, and in fact, this tree was probably around, maybe a sapling, maybe too small of a tree 
to help in the construction of the uh, Salamic Temple in around 900 BC, but it was almost certainly alive at that time. 3,000-year-old cedar of Lebanon, and yet the prophecy was is that uh, the Assyrian power was going to be uh, cut down, even with such to imagine cutting through that tree. In that day and time, an absolute impossibility. You could never, 3,000 years ago, if there was a similar tree uh, of that size, you could never cut that down. I don't even know that you could burn it down because it's alive uh, and it's not, you're just not going to be able to get rid of it. You don't want that in your front yard necessarily if you're looking for a view uh, because it would uh, cover uh, practically uh, all of your, uh, the front of your house. Um, what's more, one of these cedars of Lebanon, Lebanon once cut down, do not send out any new shoots. Uh, they, don't send, they, don't, they don't start sprouting again from the stump. Uh, uh, it's just, it's just uh, known that that doesn't happen. Uh, it's cut down. All the potential for photosynthesis is gone. The roots die. It doesn't extract water and, and minerals from the earth. And it is a, a hunk of stump which doesn't do anything but just rot away over time. Similarly, the Assyrian power, God said... When it falls, it's going to fall forever. It's never going to be resurrected. It's never going to be able to send out any new shoots. So I ask you, how many of you have neighbors who are Assyrians? No, the Assyrian Empire is gone. And, and it's been gone for 20, oh, 2,700 years or so. Uh, it was cut down just like you cut down the cedars of Lebanon. I like what uh, theologian Albert Barnes said uh, and um, about this idea. He said, um, between the Assyrian, therefore, between the Assyrian, therefore, and the person who is the subject of this chapter, that is of chapter 11 of Isaiah, namely uh, Messiah, there is a most striking and beautiful contrast. The one was at first magnificent, like a vast spreading forest, yet should soon fall and decay. The other was the little sprout of a decayed tree, which should yet arise, expand, and flourish. So even though the Assyrian, the, the great Assyrian army uh, is going to be cut down like you cut down a forest and never be able to sprout again, there's going to come one who is going to bud. He is going to be uh, the rod out of the stem of Jesse. He is going to be the branch which will grow out of its roots. And so let's look at then at that illustration. That's the context. That's what's going on. Let's look at the illustration there in this text. In verse 1 of chapter 11, the illustration. And the prophet pictured that a shoot, a, a bit of life, would sprout from Jesse's family tree stump. Notice, if you would, in verse 1, it says, this is going to come forth from the stem of Jesse, shall grow out of his roots. Now, Jesse was the father of David, King David. This text did not say uh, he's going to come out of King David's roots. It's gonna, uh, it's, he's going to bud uh, from him, but he's going to go back to Jesse, meaning King David was known and loved by one and all. Uh, Jesse, relatively insignificant sheep herder, and Christ uh, is going to be born in Bethlehem. No, not much uh, 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 pomp and circumstance, not, not much glamour is going to go on. He is going to uh, come from an insignificant place, hardly noticeable at, all, noticeable at all, but yet he is going to bring life 
out of death. He will be one who is life coming what seemingly is dead. Of course, Israel was in captivity. Israel had already been in captivity for 700 years by the time Jesus was born. And so from the top of the stump, a shoot would grow, which is absolutely necessary if life has any, if there's any hope of life for that stump because of photosynthesis from the roots buried in the ground, a branch would emerge to take in the moisture, to take in the minerals from the soil. Folks, in these two images here in verse 1, the focus of the Spirit's ministry is on one person, a descendant of Jesse, in fact, the Lord Jesus Christ, Messiah. That's what it's telling us right here. Now, how do we know that the branch is referring to Messiah and not referring to maybe the next king, the king following Solomon or, or something uh, along that line? Why specifically do we know that this is Messiah? Well, let me give you a number of passages. You can just jot them down. I'll put them on the screen. You can jot down the reference. But in Isaiah, this very same book, chapter 4 and uh, verses 2 through 4, it says, in that day, in that day, uh, shall the branch of the Lord, notice the very same words, the very same word, the branch of the Lord be beautiful and glorious, and the fruit of the earth shall be excellent and comely for them that are escaped of Israel. And it shall come to pass that he that is left in Zion, that is in and around Jerusalem, and he that remaineth in Jerusalem shall be called holy, even every one that is written among the living in Jerusalem. Now I ask you, has there been a time in history, from the time this was written, in around 700 B.C. until this very day that uh, we would categorize those who are in and around Jerusalem, all of those who remain as, in fact, holy unto the Lord. No, that hasn't happened. This is very much um, uh, uh, second coming of Christ material. This is the return of Christ or the coming of Messiah, as the Jews uh, in this day would believe. This is um, uh, emphasized as well in Jeremiah chapter 23, verses 5 and 6. It says, Behold, the days come. Now, that's future, saith the Lord that I will raise up unto David a righteous branch. And so he's coming through the line of David, through the line of Jesse, uh, which is of the tribe of Judah, right? I'm going to raise up for him. And a king shall reign and prosper and shall execute judgment and justice in the earth. In his days, that is when this king arrives, when this branch comes on the scene, in, um, in those days... And at that time will I cause the branch of righteousness to grow up unto David, and he shall execute judgment and righteousness in the land. Has that happened heretofore? It has not. There has never been a time that there's been a king of righteousness over the whole earth who is ruling and reigning. This is kingdom terminology. This is second coming of Christ a reference, and then when he sets up, the millennial kingdom. Notice uh, it's going to be for the house of Israel and for uh, the house of Jacob as described in the next text in Jeremiah 33 and verse 14. Um, and by the way, that look, if you'll notice that last one, did you notice that last one uh, at the end? I'm not sure that I read it, but it says, and he shall be called the Lord our righteousness. This is God. This is the Lord himself, Messiah, who is ruling and reigning 
in Jerusalem. Uh, he's coming back to rescue Israel and Judah. And those who remain, uh, intimating, there's not going to uh, likely not going to be many uh, because during the time of Jacob's trouble, those seven years of tribulation, uh, 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 hordes of them will be uh, killed, will be martyred. But those of them who remain will come into this kingdom and they will, notice, dwell safely. And who's going to bring it to pass? The Lord, our righteousness, the branch. This is Messiah. This is referencing the second coming of Christ. And then the next text in Jeremiah 33, beginning in verse 14, it says, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will perform that good thing which I have promised unto the house of Israel and to the house of Judah. Well, what, what, has, he, what has he promised? In those days and at that time will I cause the branch of righteousness to grow up unto David and he shall execute judgment and righteousness in the land. There's coming a day when the king will be on his throne. He's the Lord of righteousness. He's Messiah. He is the branch out of the root of Jesse, the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, doesn't scripture just dovetail uh, perfectly and accent and complement uh, one another in the various passages? Now, notice uh, where the ruler is uh, how the ruler is, is described. And you know this passage quite well. Uh, Isaiah chapter 9 uh, and, and the, great, the great hymn from Handel. Uh, For unto us a child is born. Sing it. Unto us a son is given. Unto us. You, you, know, you know the, the, uh, the great uh, uh, song from uh, Messiah. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and upon uh, his kingdom, to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice, from henceforth even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform that. So, there, there's coming. The Messiah is going to be born. He's going to be, he's a child. He's the son of God. And then ultimately, he is going to be king and ruler over all the earth. Now, <clears throat> we know that, but I want to show you something I just, I just noticed this week and is a thrill to me, especially as we're, we're studying through the book of Hebrews. Continuing on, learning about the branch, the rod uh, out of Jesse. The branch shall come out of his roots where it says in Zechariah um, chapter 6 and verse uh, 12. I'm sorry, I didn't, I didn't uh, finish the rest of, of that Isaiah. Zechariah 6 uh, verses 12 and 13, it says, And speak unto him, saying, this is, uh, this is what Zechariah was told to say, Thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, saying, Behold, the man whose name is the branch, the very same word, the very same reference as in Isaiah, as, as in Jeremiah, whose name is the branch. He shall grow up out of his place, and he shall build the temple of the Lord. Even he shall build the temple of the Lord, and he shall bear the glory and sit and rule upon um, his throne. And he shall sit and rule upon his throne, and he shall be a priest unto his throne, and the council of peace shall be between them both. Now, who is or what is them both? Now notice, and this might be the only reference in the Old Testament 
to this aspect of the work of Christ. And yet the book of Hebrews gives it in great detail in the New Testament. Notice, he shall sit and rule upon his throne. What office does that suggest? What was it? Say it out loud. King. And he shall be a priest upon his throne. What office does that suggest? Priest. It doesn't suggest it. It states it. He is a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Who was Melchizedek? He was the what of Salem? The king of Salem and the high priest of the Lord God. What? (laughs) And Isaiah 11.1 says this very one is going to be anointed with the Spirit of God and have the Spirit of all of the things mentioned in verse 2. This is not a coincidence, folks. This is Messiah described throughout the Old Testament, the branch coming out of Jesse through David from the tribe of Judah, the son born, the child born, the son given, who ultimately will rule and reign in the kingdom as the king and as the priest forevermore. The focus of the Spirit's ministry is the Lord Jesus and how he will be Israel's Messiah in the kingdom age. Um, And Jesus will not just return for the Jews, but Romans 1.16 says the gospel is to the Jew first, finish it with me, and also to the Gentile. And so, this is for you. I want you to look at your text in chapter 11 of Isaiah. Before we, before we conclude, look at Isaiah 11 and verse 10. And in that day, there shall be a root of Jesse. Oh, referencing back to verse 1. We've already demonstrated who is that. Christ. So in that day, the Lord Jesus, you can say, shall stand for an ensign, that is a banner of the people, to him, say it with me, shall the Gentiles or the nation seek, and his rest shall be glorious. Hallelujah. Jews. He came to the Jews first, but also to the Gentiles. He came to uh, give a new day, the uh, the kingdom age, uh, to Israel, to Judah but also for the Gentiles. The, the, uh, the uh, uh, new covenant is to Israel and Judah. But we get in, if you're a Gentile, like I am, on the blessings of the new covenant. I want to, you to notice that this text, that he shall sit and rule upon his throne, that is, as king. I wonder if this one is showing over there. No, it's not. Let me... Let me Let me give you all, throw you all a bone over here. He shall sit and rule upon his throne, that is his kingship, and he shall be priest upon his throne, that is he's the king priest in the order of Melchizedek, just what the book of Hebrews has been saying to us uh, uh, of late. Isn't it an amazing coincidence that I would be preaching through the book of Hebrews and we get up to chapter 7 and 8 in the book of Hebrews, talking about Melchizedek, and all that that means, and we've learned tons about Mel- the priesthood of Melchizedek. At the, in the coincidental, at the very same time, God would have uh, just impressed upon me 
that we need to study through the, seven, study through the sevenfold uh, uh, ministry of the Holy Spirit in Isaiah 11 only to find out, and I did not know this with God as my witness, I did not recognize at a time that this study would bring out that he is king and priest, just as the book of Hebrews. Such, such an interesting coincidence. I wonder who knew, children. Children, who knew that this was going to happen? God knew. That's right. Now, notice. And the council of peace, or the counselor of peace, or the presence of peace, or the, uh, the ministry of peace will be between them both. Who's the both? Who is it? The king and the priest. The ruling and the interceding. He has brought peace through the blood of his cross. And he is the mighty counselor. It's all about him. He's the focus of the sevenfold ministry of the Spirit, about which we will be learning much in the coming weeks. Now, before we receive the Lord's table, I close with this. <clears throat> One day, this, these passages clearly teach, Christ will visibly, physically reign upon the earth. Is he reigning in your heart now? Is he your Lord? Is he your master today? Because your life could be taken today. Mine could as well. So right now, is he, does he rule, in fact, in your life? Let me remind you that.